Oh, hey, you made it. We weren't sure anyone was able to get the broadcast. We found this huge vault full of cool things from before the event. Yeah, do you want to come check it out? Hello everyone, welcome to the Don't Go Outside podcast um, with your hosts Patch and Robin. Uh, we live in a vault underground, it's the post-apocalypse and we, I mean it's not an easy concept just to bash out an intro for, is it? It's not. Um... If this is your first experience of the Don't Go Outside podcast, basically we are uh, hiding from the horrors of the post-apocalyptic wasteland above us. Uh, if you've seen an apocalypse happen on film, TV, or video game, it's happening 100 meters above us on the surface. Uh, so what we do is we hide down here, watch films, TVs, play some video games, just hang out, have a generally real nice time. A nice time in the vault. Nice time. I mean, sometimes horrors get in. We live with a mutant, but you know he's all right. He's not bad. He's kind of our landlord. Yeah, he's kind of our landlord. He technically owns the place, but uh, he's not. He doesn't never makes a big deal about it. And there are lots of going ons and shenanigans up on the wasteland when we do go up on occasion. When uh, sometimes we do have to go outside, but uh, that would uh, wouldn't be as interesting a podcast as this one. <laughs> I mean, it might be. <laughs> <laughs> so, for example, Robin, what has been keeping you inside? The vault. Why have you not gone outside recently? <laughs> what even do? This, this has got to be the most chaotic start. This has got. This has got some weird energy. <laughs> this, is, this is cracking me up, man. <laughs> <laughs> so we had some venom talk just there. It might have stayed in. Yep. I might have cut out the venom talk. Uh, Sam Raimi's venom. Uh, not as good as Tom Hardy's Venom I discovered this week. Did you watch it? Yeah, I watched it because you brought up Morbius last week. Mm. Uh, Morbius. Morbius. You brought up Morbius last week and I was like, well, I'm going to have to watch Venom now, aren't I? Yeah. Um, I like Venom. He's a cool character. Mm-hmm. Um, not not a bad movie. Is Actually, tell you what. This will fall under my... I've been... I've been taking in a lot of what I think of as cinematic junk food recently. Cinematic junk food. That is a fantastic expression. So I mean I I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. Venom just it's 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 a it's a it's a classic it's like a a a Big Mac TM. Uh, (laughs) Venom is uh, what I probably refer to as cinematic junk food where like it's a shite movie. You know it's you know it's pish bad for you it's not going to give you anything healthy at all but it's darn it <laughs> darn it it's, it's just it's just entertaining S- salt and fat salt and fat uh, and stick sticky black tar man who, sticky black tar who man. clings on to Tom Hardy whose performance is insane even before Venom clings onto him so, like, Tom Hardy's character is already a maniac. Already a bit nuts. He plays a kind of investigative journalist called Eddie Brock, um, who basically, like, undermines corporations, goes into conspiracy theories and stuff, and be like, listen, man, I'm going to tell you the truth of what's happening in the world today. 
and he's super popular. I think he works for like a news network. I wasn't really paying attention to the very start because I was like, where's Venom? <laughs> but he already talks to himself before he even has the Venom symbiote to have a back and forth with. He's already talking to himself. His speech is like slurred, so it's like, are, is this his American accent? Because mm. as we all know, Tom Hardy is a gruff, scary English fellow. <laughs> gruff, scary English fellow. Talks a lot like this all the time. Mm. But uh, Eddie Brock, he's like, uh, I got my wife, I love you, my wife, I'm going to get married. Uh, you can't really understand what he's saying. Um, yeah, so then Venom comes along and he keeps talking to himself and it makes more sense. The Venom stuff's cool. Mm-hmm. Paves a lot of ground for the Venom verse that we talked about last episode. Mm-hmm. Because uh, I watched the Morbius trailer and I think it is all going to be linked. It's all happening. There's a Spider-Man um, graffiti in the background of the Morbius trailer. I saw. It says murderer on it. He speaks to Michael Keaton, a.k.a. the Vulture. It's not specifically said that he's the Vulture, but... Come on. I think it was uh, actually Michael Keaton's Birdman. Oh, you think he's going to go different? It's going to be the Birdman verse. That, the Birdman verse. Morbius is going to be shot all in one take, and it's just the soundtrack's just going to be drums and piano. To be honest, can you imagine a superhero film done in that style? A one-shot? I'd love it. That'd be that'd be rad. Yeah, I, I, I'd enjoy that. I like, I like stuff filmed in one take. Mm. I don't really know why. I just really like the challenges it must present to the filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so Venom, I saw Venom, uh, what else did I, what else did I do? Speaking of junk food, did you, did you ingest any, uh, any shite recently? <laughs> well, actually, it's very interesting, because there's a lot of parallels with, uh, Venom that I'm just realising here. So I watched Upgrade, recently. Upgrade. Upgrade. Never heard of it. Um, so, uh, I don't, don't recognise any of the actors in it. Okay. Um, I can tell you the protagonist is kind of like Tom Hardy Light. It's like they casted for Tom Hardy and didn't get him. Oh, is he the guy that always seems to be in Tom Hardy's spot? Yeah, basically. He's... Yeah, because there is an actor, I can't remember his name, who does sometimes just show up and he's like, they asked Tom Hardy, but uh, he couldn't do it. <laughs> yeah. And um, the sort of antagonist character is almost like Jared Leto Light as well. Okay. It's like, it's like they tried to cast for guys... Didn't get them and just kind of rolled rolled with it. Shit, dog. Um, yeah, it was, you know what? I don't. I think it was in, an interesting film because it was just like so much of it wanted to just be big dumb action, right? So mm-hmm. it is um, the near future, and AI has kind of been invented more or less. We're mm-hmm. quite we've become an augmented society. Um, most people have physical upgrades, mental upgrades, these, you know, the kind of um, cyberpunk aesthetic. Yeah, is it like Deus Ex? Yeah, Deus Ex, but the um, society isn't sort of broken down. It's mu- it's much more, like, normal. Okay. Um, and our, our character, our protagonist, um, he's like a car mechanic. He's... Uh, He's not 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 for technology. He doesn't hate really, that shit. Yeah, and he's like, <laughs> he's just he's just like, yeah, I fix cars, and then um, man, and these they don't make them like they used to. You won't see any modifications on me. Yeah, you know exactly. The hate chat. that chat, mate. Twenty twenty, just put a blade in your arm. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so he gets in, um 
He gets in uh, some hilarious scrapes after his wife dies. Although another bit of a movie sin is that within the first 20 seconds of the film, you're like, yeah, his wife's going to die. You know when you can just tell? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Because they're, they're, they were too idyllic. They were too happy. He needs a reason to get the body modifications. Yeah. It's like, my wife would have wanted me to get this laser gun in my elbow. You're frighteningly accurate. <laughs> yeah. Um, Honey, I don't see why you can't just get the laser cannon 9000 installed in your big toe. Well, it just wouldn't, wouldn't go with my old man greaseball aesthetic. It's totally... I can't <laughs> believe you haven't seen this film. You're pretty much describing it perfectly. I think I wrote this film maybe. <laughs> <laughs> the other day while I was taking a shit. <laughs> Um, but it's uh, it's interesting because it want, so much of it wants to just be big dumb action with okay. the semi-futuristic uh, aesthetic. But then so much of it was like, clearly there was part of the writing team who were like, we can be really clever here. We can talk about how is AI really part of humanity? What's what's wrong about that? Who truly is human? And it's like, mm. don't, don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> it feels really shoved in there. But anyway, I would actually recommend it on the ground of uh, cinematic junk food. I'm working my way through a little playlist of uh, of uh, CJF. Was it? No, I won't call it CJF. <laughs> cinematic junk food is pretentious enough. I don't have to go into the oh, CGF. <laughs> Some CGF. <laughs> Takes longer to say of anything. <laughs> I watched Kong Skull Island finally. Oh, I've been yeah. wanting to see it since it came out in the cinema, and it just totally floated me by. Because I've just been hearing lots of whispers that the Kong universe and the Godzilla universe are going to smash together. And I'm I'm so here, so ready for that to happen. So I was like, you know what? I'll get Kong Skull Island watched. Because uh, I, like, I, I love that shit. I like big monster movies. I haven't seen one for ages. And it's good. Mm. Again, pile of shit. But the action moments, the big monster fights, great. Uh, surprisingly loads of good actors are in it mm. like I don't know what they promised Tom Hiddleston to be like we want you to be the loner the lone wolf who's like left the army because he doesn't like the way war is done Yeah, and he has a big action hero moment it's like this is weird Brie Larson's in it which I guess Brie Larson's a big name now but at the time she was she was coming up John Goodman's in it well, wow, like, John Goodman. I was gonna say John Goodman will do anything. That sounds bad, but like he he's done a lot of stuff. I reckon you could uh, just give John Goodman an interesting idea, and he'll be like, "Yeah, I want to be that guy." And then Sam Jackson, well, he will do anything. <laughs> but so it's got a lot of big names in it, uh, and it's cool. It has a lot of good ideas. It seems to be setting up. I think the secret society, not the secret society, like the secret organization called Monarch, is like, oh, we deal with you know uh, big monsters the government doesn't want to tell you about I feel like they might have been referenced in Godzilla like the one with Brian Cranston but it's been a long time since I've seen it but I'm really hoping like it's like a mo- it's set in the 70s so I'm really hoping this is like Monarch's like early story and when I get around to watching Godzilla King of Monsters because I've got it on the hard drive somewhere uh, I'm hoping to see Monarch's name pop up because mm-hmm. Godzilla fights all kinds of people He'll fight. He fights Ghidorah in that. He fights Mothra. Charles Dance, isn't it? I love Charles Dance. Who's Charles Dance? Um, Tywin Lannister. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's great. Also, there's the voice of Emperor Emir in uh, Witcher 3. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's weird when you see him, see his voice pop up. It's like, ah, oh, 
Tywin Lannister, the greatest character perhaps in television all time. What? That's that just, is that's, just my, that's just my opinion. I love him. I think he's great. Um, I actually just while while you mentioned The Witcher, I need to make a Witcher retraction. <gasps> um, okay. So I criticised the the TV show. You did, yeah. Quite heavily. Yeah. Uh, and one of my bases was that oh, it's not like like why did they not just try and remake the game? The game was great. Um, and it's because it's based off the books, not off the game. Oh yeah, it's based off the books. I I was unaware of that, and uh, I feel that might have undermined my argument. So. <laughs> well, I mean the bo- the the game and the books at this point. The game is the games are certainly much more well known than the than the books at this point. Like Henry Cavill's introduction to The Witcher was The Witcher Three. Um, so it's understandable. I yeah, I think I was listening to the recording and I was like, oh yeah, we didn't mention that it was based on the books, but yeah, that's fine. I think you're fine. Don't 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 worry about it. Just, you know, need to get it on. Get, get it on the get record. It, get it on record. All right, cool. Robin is aware that books exist. And Put I, that on record. <laughs> get that get that written down. Yeah, if anyone's playing video games, it's me. Because I played a game. Holy holy hell! I've not played this game for ages. It was like kind of in that just after the last episode came out. I just got bang into a game called Frostpunk. Yes, I'm really glad you've mentioned this because I've been watching a lot of Frostpunk Let's Plays recently. Oh, really? Serious, man, because it just had DLC released. Yes. And that, so there's been a huge upswing in Frostpunk-style media. Yeah, I think the game studio have been, like, just PR the hell out of this yeah. game. And it's fantastic. Do you want to talk the listeners through what the what the plot and concept is? Yeah, surprised you've heard of Frostpunk, really, because I hadn't heard of it until it came up in a, I, until it came up in a Steam sale. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is like a city building real time strategy survival simulator it's like basically like if you can, if you can picture set the scene it's steampunk london uh steampunk happened but then also the ice age is coming the world's temperature just drops nobody knows why but they're going to use their steampunk technology to to travel to the north pole to find the source of the of the ice age and it's all about building a little community in the North Pole and surviving through horrific blizzards and starvation and and, and sickness. And it's one of the most bleak experiences I've ever, I've ever had from a video game, but I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, It's the first... I, I, love, a, I love a good city-building game, a management sim. I played it for hours, but nothing has really hooked me. Like this has an actual story, which is quite rare mm. for a management sim, because usually it's just like, here's your theme park, just build it, go nuts, see you in a hundred hours. It's like, all right, cool. <laughs> or like city skylines, which I've played the hell out of, is just like build a city, see you in a hundred hours, let us know how you get on. Whereas Frostpunk is like, here's here's a generator, a giant furnace, just build your houses around that. And don't let your citizens die and keep them happy, because uh, people is gonna be you're in for a hell of a ride. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's I, I, I love it. It's just it's so like you just get really invested in it more than any other city building game I've ever played. I think your description of it is a management sim city builder with plot, and I think that's that is such a strength to it. Mm-hmm. Um. And also, they've clearly bloody done the research, which I really appreciate. Like, yeah. It's a very well-read game, mm-hmm. well-influenced. So 
it's, it draws from stuff like Snowpiercer. It yeah. draws from real world events, which it, this is unbelievable. And it, one of my favorite facts is the mini ice age happened. This happened. Um, oh. Not obviously not to such an extreme degree. Yeah. But um, <clears throat> a volcano went off in the Victorian age. Oh, is that Krakatoa? I think it was Krakatoa, yeah. Yeah. Um, and this caused global temperature to drop. Yeah. Um, and that's why it was always snowy all the time. Ha, at the time that Charles Dickens was writing stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it was constantly snowy, so that's why we have this picture in our head of, uh, you know, London covered in snow. Mm. That's what that's what Christmas looks like. Yeah. But fa- that is fascinating to me. But still, so it's it's like square in the reticle of stuff that I'm really interested in. Yeah, it's really cool. It's just, uh, just a, fun, it's a fun, fun, it's a really interesting little story to play through. Um, where you have to basically stop your citizens from tearing each other apart for food rations. Uh, you can decide. It's all based on choices as well. There's lots of branching choices. You can either put your put the the children to work in the mines where they have a possibility of getting injured. You can build a little schoolhouse where they'll just be safe out of the cold, but your production will slow down. But if you choose to put them in the schoolhouse, eventually you can go send them to work in like the medical bay or the research station, which gives you a little boost to your health and your research. Um, and then eventually you can choose whether you're going to become like a weird police state or just build a cult because eventually things get so bad that you're like, listen, the people are losing hope. <laughs> Either we find, we find strength in faith or we find strength in order. And, uh, they both start out okay, being like, "Oh, just build a watchtower, you know, just build, just build a little watchtower, just to make sure people aren't stealing stuff." Ah, oh, sure, just send some patrolmen out just to go make sure that people don't have extra rations. Just have people spy on each other; it's fine. Before you know it, oh shit, I've got a police state on my hands. Yeah. <laughs> it really slowly just like, okay, now I have a religious cult where everyone believes that that uh, that I'm the savior of mankind, and uh, you know, there's an inquisition going around just flogging people for. Saying no, and you're like, it, it really is a good illustration of how quickly things can take a dark turn in, in desperate times. It's all accompanied by a fantastic soundtrack by the guy who did the soundtrack for The Witcher. Right. Yeah, bringing it back around to The Witcher, the guy who, the guy who does the music has this real, seems to have this real grasp on how to build atmosphere with really, you know dark heavy strings and like wind in the background and how to just basically make you feel sad while you're trying, while you're trying to survive the, the ice apocalypse the um just in general the sound the sound uh, design for the game is is fabulous oh yeah, yeah. Um, and the first time that this really twigged for me is during one of the choice trees when you get to pass a law or make a choice as soon as you've hit that button there's this deep Sound mm-hmm. which just hammers home the gravity of direction. Yeah, because it yeah. is it's totally like inch by inch, mile by mile, how you go from being like quite a reasonable society into mm-hmm. becoming, yeah, basically turbo turbo fascists. Yeah, um, and I think even just the fact that the sound design hammers that home is just yeah, like, it, just good. Everything has been tied together very well. Mm. Oh, so Frostpunk really surprised me as well. I was just like, what is what is what are these feelings I'm feeling for this tiny little town I'm building in the middle of nowhere? It's it's just it's awesome, very good. 
So I just want to give a shout out to that game because it's been out for ages, but they've had a little publicity boost because their expansion pass came out, which I've not played any of. I've just played the base game. But I'm going to go back to the expansion pack at some point. Maybe have a little feedback. A little a little re- revisit to the uh, to the old Frostpunk. Frostpunk revisited. I recommend it, man. It's a good game. Yeah. Um, it's actually good. Sorry, just to keep talking about it because it is a fascinating topic. Oh, yeah. It's one of these things that I actually... I've had this on my radar for a while and I've added it to the Steam basket mm-hmm. and then pulled back because I'm... I know how much time it would take from me. Oh yeah, like, no, I, 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 I would, I, I would eat that up. I put off doing a lot of things in this vault. The vault's a bit of a mess because <laughs> I've been trying to survive in a made-up apocalypse, which is weird. I don't know why my version of Escape is just a different <laughs> apocalypse than the one we're currently living in. But hey, you just sometimes you just gotta learn from, uh, learn from some true masters. Yep. At uh, the guys at 11 Bit Studios. Well done. Good Thank job. You. Really taught an old vault dweller how uh, how how bad it could be. <laughs> you know? Uh, actually, speaking of uh, following stuff up and calling back, I went to see The Lighthouse. Oh, yeah. Which you brought up. Ah, what a. What a. What a. What a. Ah, oh, what a. It was great. <laughs> totally. You said. Because you said it's. What? There's probably one of the best films you've seen that you'll never want to watch again yeah I can't wait to see it again really yeah man I thought it was just the coolest shit I've seen in a cinema for a long time <laughs> yeah it was wild and it's just I want more films where they just let Willem Dafoe just go buck wild loved it I loved this little <laughs> tirade it was like my nature swallow you up <laughs> I've just been making- I like your lobster <laughs> fine I like your damn lobster I just like I've just been making myself chuckle by like having Willem De- thinking imagine Willem Dafoe say really non-threatening things in that big booming voice. May Neptune come to you and tickle you on the belly. <laughs> Steal your shoes and tickle your toes. <laughs> you know, oh man, where it really is like swallow you whole and wrap you in tentacles. And give you a little kiss on the forehead. <laughs> Tell you you're a good boy. Yeah, go see the lighthouse, guys. It's just it's just something else. <laughs> this really is really something. Yeah, I can't wait to watch it again. Um, it actually spurred me on to reinvestigate like, all these weird surreal films, like a bit a uh, bit of Cabinet of Doctor Caligari, a bit of uh, Metropolis, bit of, bit yeah. of David Lynch. All that stuff. Mm. Yeah, David Lynch is an interesting one. I've been meaning to watch. I've uh, been meaning to. I've been meaning to watch Twin Peaks for ages. I've only seen the first couple of episodes of it, mm-hmm. ever, and I do have it on DVD. And I was like, one day I'm just going to sit down and just tan it. But just do it. Yeah, I know. I'm on the like. I'm literally just like. I was thinking about it yesterday, mm-hmm. being like, ah, Twin Peaks. It might be. It might be time. So maybe I'll have a little Twin Peaks report. I've been putting it off for a long time as well, so mm. I should probably watch it. Um, yeah, I would recommend you watch Eraserhead too. Yeah, I've never seen it. Weird. I've not seen really any of David Lynch's stuff apart from a few episodes of Twin Peaks. He's definitely got uncomfortable down. The man knows how to make you oh, uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah, but that studio that made the lighthouse—they've been coming out with all kinds of crazy shit recently. The they, Witch, I believe. The Vavitch, yeah. Uh, Midsummer was that then? Which was last year? Yeah, yeah. That was. Did you see that? Nope. It's good. That's another weird one. Real good. 
Real, real good. Uh, Midsummer, yeah, uh, the film about uh, some hipster backpacker millennials. They go off to a festival in Sweden that is run by a cult, a religious cult, and uh, it's all kinds of weird uh, wicker man shit takes place. Nice. Um, they're bringing out a new film with um, Dev Patel. Hmm. He plays like a king of some sort, which... Uh, I've seen trailers. Yeah. It's uh, recession, 1920s recession time. Here in the Great Gatsby's Great Fallout Party. We got all the special people here. We got people in dresses and people... We got a, we got a Thunderdome. A, thunder, a 1920s Art Deco-style Thunderdome. We got Leonardo DiCaprio fighting... His great Gatsby also fighting himself from Titanic, because they're both in the same time. Which would win? Great Gatsby or Titanic? Caprio, who's your money on? My money's on Titanic DiCaprio, because he's he could fight. He had a fight. What did, <laughs> what did Gatsby Caprio do? Do a drink in that gif you saw? Not on my watch, sister. <laughs> <laughs> Come down to Great Gatsby's Great Wasteland Metrodome Megadome Party Fight today for a free for a free martini made from vodka and gasoline. <laughs> the Mad Max B. <laughs> the Mad Max B. Oh my God! Why am I always thinking of the best ideas when I've done the thing? <laughs> The Mad Max Bay, the greatest show on earth. <laughs> Come down to the Thunderdome for a free New Year's Eve party with the Mad Max Bay. The Mad Max Bay. <laughs> hey, baby, you wanna come to a shiny shindig party with moonshine made of gasoline? It's the recession, but we don't care because we're all rich. <laughs> and did someone say fucking 1920s? My name's Thomas fucking Shelby. <laughs> And I'm here to say that the 1920s were not good for everyone. <laughs> we put razors not just on our hats, but in all our clothes. <laughs> because that's the aesthetic. <laughs> <laughs> razor wire, not just a razor blade. Here at Mad Max <laughs> Get that voice again. It's a good voice. Actually, I've not written this down, but speaking of Dev Patel, I saw uh, The Life and Times of David Copperfield. <laughs> that's, a, that's a movie. You've been, uh, you've been a busy boy. As we haven't recorded for like, what, a month and a half? Yeah. I've done a lot. <laughs> so I've, been, I've been just sitting, just absorbing everything I can. Mm. Just like, just plugging cords into me all over the place, absorbing media. Uh, no, I've watched The Life and Times of David Copperfield starring mm. Dev Patel... Starring Tilda Swinton, starring Peter Capaldi, uh, Hugh Laurie's in there as well, just for good measure. Wow. Um, that's uh, Armando Iannucci, famous for the thick of it. He made, uh, he did Death of Stalin, yep. which I've talked about on here. Great movie. Uh, so this is his film since then. Uh, it's really good. A really interesting take on a classic Charles Dickens story, which I've I'd never read before. Uh, but it's just. Um, 
was talking about it after I saw the film. It's it's just the sort of story you don't really see in the cinema anymore. Mm-hmm. It's a classic like riches to rags to riches and then to rags for a little bit and then back to riches again. And it bounces all over the place. But it's just like it's just I think it's going to be a really good Christmas film when it comes uh. out. One of them's. You know, it's really uh, uh, everyone acts in it really well. The Amado Energy's directorial style fits it really well. Uh, comedic timing's really good. Mm. Um, weirdly, I went to see it in the same cinema that was showing 1917. Right. Which I've not seen, but it's very loud. <laughs> the, 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 the cinema that I saw David Copperfield in was underneath the room that was showing 1917. Yeah. And there's a scene where David Copperfield meets... Uh, one of the main characters, and this main character has like has like a drinking problem, but it's it's played for laughs. Which say we want say what you want about the issue. That's the point is it was played for laughs, but I couldn't tell because above me was the sound of like 1917, like sinister, like oh god, like just like quite like sinister, spooky music. And I first I thought it was coming from the film because because it made the moment feel really tense. Because they were offering him, because they were offering him, like, oh, do you want, like, a cup of tea? It's like, oh, do you still have that drinks cabinet? It's like, oh, no, 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 don't forget about that. Do you want, like, a water, maybe, like, a coffee? It's like, oh, maybe, like, a sherry or something. All the while was just really sinister, like, and I was like, is this supposed to be, like, a really tense moment? (laughs) Because there's some tense moments in the film. Yeah. But this was, I think this is definitely, like, oh, he's just the lovable drunkard. But it was honestly there was because there was no soundtrack other than what I could hear from 1917. So I'm really pissed off at 1917 for confusing me. Um, <laughs> Such a strange experience. It's bizarre how going back to Frostpunk, how a musical score can alter your perceptions on a scene. Because, like I said, that alcoholism was played for laughs. But it could have been like. Oh no! This guy's got a drinking problem. Is that gonna is that gonna throw everything into disarray? Is he gonna just kick off and start knocking shit over and killing people? It's like oh no! But it's like oh no! It's just just another movie. <laughs> uh, but yeah, his. I mean, I won't spoil the movie. He's fine. The guy, the character's all right. But you know, <laughs> it's just a running joke that it's like ah, oh, more wine, yes. Uh, but he's wine. he's one of those like people who's always like oh, maybe another drink, great, but. But yeah, I, I really thought, oh, they're really going for like serious like alcohol alcoholism problem is a problem. It sh- you shouldn't play it for laughs. Yeah, go. On. No, no. So it confused me. Anyways, the film as a whole, I'm rambling a lot. <laughs> film I just a- enjoy this. I enjoy the idea that like this just happened in your head. Like no one else has had this experience. No, I the, I went to see it with uh, my fiance. And she was like, yeah, was that, like, part of the movie? Mm. It's like, oh, no, I think that was the film upstairs. She was like, oh, right, because it was really weird how we just took this dark tone <laughs> for, like, two minutes. Uh, yeah, so, fuck you, 1917, for being louder than the film that I wanted to see. Because, <laughs> honestly, it was going on at the same time, so every now and again, you just have, like, rumbling above you. It's like, come on, war. That film's apparently shot in one take, and... Apparently it's great. So, I don't know, it's... It's annoyed me. <laughs> Do you just hold that against the now? Yeah, fuck 1917. Take um, your Oscar and bounce. <laughs> I uh, What else did I watch? I watched Dolomite Is My Name. Oh, that's good, isn't it? Holy God. Yeah, Eddie, yeah. Like, Eddie Murphy's good. Eddie Murphy's back doing 
to actually having a nice time in a film for the first time in years. Yeah, like what's the what's the deal? How is Eddie Murphy in a good film and Adam Sandler is in a good film at the same time? Oh yeah, because apparently Uncut, Uncut Gems, Gems is good. I've not seen it, but I've heard just glowing reports. Probably just they decided enough is enough. Adam Sandler was tired of getting paid to go on vacation. It's like let's just make a real movie. Eddie Murphy was like, I'm tired of not working. Let's <laughs> just put me in the Dolomite movie, which he seems to have really. I think that was like a seems to be a passion project of his Dolomite. Yeah. Um, yeah, really good, isn't it? It's incredible. Yeah, it's incredible, and like the, I mean, the cast is just out this world. Yeah, everyone in it is really outstanding. Uh, not even really people that you'd recognise, but yeah. it's just they're all really cool. Mm. Yeah, that, it's a, a good little. Um, what would you call it? A, a uh, biopic, maybe. I guess so. Because I thought it was going to be like a comedy romp, mm. and then went in thinking, "Oh, funny comedy." And it is a comedy comedic movie, but it's about a comedian rather than being a comedy film. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, it's cool. Really good. Uh, don't I want to? I want to watch all those old movies now. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to tell people what we're talking about, Dolomite? Dolomite, right? Okay, so I can talk you through it because <laughs> we we're, we're kind of just bo- like diving into stuff without explaining to the listeners. I know I'm really out of the loop podcast wise. I'm just rambling like a madman. <laughs> but yeah, Dolomite is my name, Robin. What is that? Dolomite is my name. Is um, a biopic? Is that the, is that the word? Yeah. So it's a descriptive narrative journey of the titular character. You could just say biopic. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta <to> explain it. <laughs> um, about the titular character Dolomite, who is played by Eddie Murphy. Uh-huh. And this is sort of at the height of, or maybe even preceding the big black exploitation uh, media movement. Yeah. Um, they, I think Dolomite kind of kicked it off. Well, they, uh, did they not cover that in the film? I think one of the studios is like, oh, black exploitation films are over. Nobody wants yeah. to go see them. And he's like, well. I love him, and I know people are going to love him, so let me make him, and he has a really hard time making the movie. Um, but yeah, so Dolomite was like a character. This I can't even remember the guy's name. It's like Rowdy Roddy. I can't remember. Piper, which I think is a wrestler. But no, it's like Rodney something. But yeah, he comes up with the character idea for Dolomite, based on old uh, um, like traveler's tales, I guess yeah. you could say. Like, uh, just... Uh, African-American folk tales that have been carried down over like decades and stuff and he then created a character which combined them all into one and he's now Dolomite uh, and that kicked off a whole new wave of black exploitation movies featuring this character and um, has been parodied to this day with films like um, Black Dynamite which I've seen a wee bit of like Black Dynamite's really funny mm. with Michael Jai White it's just basically a Dolomite film Right, <laughs> but it's just funny. Uh, yeah, um, incredible. So weirdly, we have seen a lot of the same media without having watched the uh, <laughs> the, the the same film that we plan to do for the episode. We've gone through two topics of the week, and I've seen them both. Robin has been, you know, just busy, <laughs> so he's not seen either of them. This is Reporting Wasteland, with a special report from our very own Ace Chetley. Hi, this is Ace Chetley here. 
for reporting Wasteland. And I'm here today with Warlord Beefsteak of Beefsteak Brew to discuss the new virus that has hit the Wasteland and whether or not it is related to the most recent batch of Beefsteak Brew. Um, Any opening comments there, Warlord? First of all, I would like to address any comments against Beefsteak Brew, any Beefsteak Brew-related branding, or uh, anything of the sort that has come up because of this latest virus viral outbreak. I believe it is slander propagated by the vile human race that seeks to destroy and undermine our mutant way of life. Now, entering into an interview asking straight straight up if my product causes disease, I feel is a very a very aggressive way to start an interview. There have been reports from the Wasteland Health Authority that radioactive spiders were found in beef state tanks. Well, I mean, there are radioactive spiders everywhere in this land. Unfortunately, none of them cause the fantastic, amazing powers you might see in films or comic books. Some of them just make you very... Most of them just make you very ill. We take a lot of care into the things that go into our into our brews. I, I myself, I approve everything that goes into each batch of delicious beefsteak brew. And I make sure there's no tinkering and no uh, shenanigans going on thereforth. Radioactive spiders, we might have had a radioactive spider batch, but let me tell you, they were the safest spiders you could find but as far as I know they don't cause any serious ailments when mixed with the fine ingredients of beefsteak brew well you've heard it here first ladies and gentlemen that is a confirmation that beefsteak brew is in no way linked to the spate of infections that have struck the wasteland thank you very much for your time warlord and uh, we'll be going back to Jenny with the weather Do you want to hear a little bit about Birds of Prey before we get into our uh, main topic? Yeah, I mean, there is some stuff I've I've read about both of these films, and I find it interesting that they're both quite transformative in their production cycle. So, mm-hmm. obviously, um, Sonic was completely redesigned after fan backlash. Thank God. We'll get, I'll get into that. We'll get into that. But Birds of Prey changed its title after it was released. I think it was always going to be... It's stupid. I don't know what. So it was. It's always been Birds of Prey. At some point, they added Birds of Prey and the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn, which is like I don't know why they did that. Maybe to seem a bit more whimsical, because it's quite a whimsical film, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, so yeah, I saw Birds of Prey and the fantastical transformation of Margot Robbie into a beloved comic book character um, and it was alright I liked it fine um, better than Suicide Squad uh, which isn't saying too much but like it was it was at least a coherent movie things made sense stuff was happening for a reason it wasn't like there's a demon send people with 
bullet, bullets and a baseball bat to go fight it. Oh my, I totally forgot that yeah. that was the plot of Suicide Squad. There, yeah. There's a demon. There's a there's a demon and a blue beam in this guy. Uh, yeah, uh, Suicide Squad came out in the era of giant blue beams bursting into the sky, uh, which movie villains did for about, what, four or five years? Yeah. Which uh, sometimes happens in our universe. Sometimes a, a, a super villain will emerge. It's like, I'm going to shoot a blue beam! But we've gotten very good at containing those events now because mm-hmm. they happen all the time. There's a task force we just send out the blue beam patrol. <laughs> uh, which you might hear from a little bit later. Um, but yeah, so Birds of Prey and the fantastic story of a person called Harley Quinn. It's, it's good. It's, I liked it fine. It just wasn't for me, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, literally... People can say, oh, it wasn't for me, but it's literally, the film is not for me. I think... I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I'm going to say, I think it's marketed again more uh, women into comic book film, which is fantastic. It's great. Uh, but it feels very much sort of like, I'm not 15 years old enough, and I'm not emo young girl enough for this yeah. film. You know, it's just one of those sort of like, very edgy, lots of, you know, cutesy, kitschy, emo girl humour. And I'm like, ah, I've been there. I've dated that girl before. Sure, great. But Margot Robbie, I, like, she remains to be excellent as Harley Quinn. She's really good. And there's tons of good stuff in it. Um, for instance, uh, our good friend Ewan McGregor uh, plays um, the Black Mask, who the villain of the movie. And he's really good. He's very reminiscent of, uh, you know, like when Sam Rockwell plays a villain? Yeah. Quite over the top. He owns a club, he does a lot of dancing, wears fancy suits, but he's like a vicious, like, you know, like, gang boss. He'll just, like, murder people for, at the drop of a hat. Wow. Uh, Victor Zaz is his, like, right-hand man, <laughs> which is weird, because Victor Zaz is, like, a classic Batman villain who's very much sort of, like, Batman's first nemesis, I suppose. A serial killer who will add a scar to his body for each person he kills, and he's, like, covered in scars. And, uh, He's always like, I got a special space here for you, Batman. But it's like, I got a special space for you here, Harley Quinn, <laughs> on my chest. And it's interesting to see Victor Zaz in the context of being in a gang rather than just a lone maniac. Mm. So, like, I guess Black Mask has taken him on and be like, I can see the potential in your insanity. Come and be a mental criminal with me. Um, sets up a lot of cool characters. Um... So is this going to be... Did you get the impression that this is more ongoing? Harley Quinnverse? Potentially an ongoing thing. Provided it does well enough. Which, you know, I can't see why not. Um, the Birds of Prey themselves. Uh, you've got Huntress, played by Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Who... Do, do you know who that is? No. It's Ramona Flowers. Yep. Yeah, that's her. She's great. I love her. I watched Scott Pilgrim again very recently. Won't go off on that tangent. I know, because I think we could do a whole podcast on Scott Pilgrim. It's been a very tangential episode. I just want to say a bit more, like, questionable than I remember Scott Pilgrim being. Really? Scott Pilgrim was like, I really enjoyed the comics, and I remember enjoying the film when it came out, Um but then I watched it again recently because I had a little like nostalgia tip for it. Like I really liked all the music in it, mm-hmm. and I was like, "This is a movie about a boy who literally just 
sees a woman as an object prize to be won and her character is she is the prize to be won and I was like that's surprisingly like unwoke for a film that's for the type of film that Scott Pilgrim wants to be mm. do you know what I mean because it's got a lot of because Scott Pilgrim has a lot of female characters in it who are very like are all very interesting and they all have like their own shit going on they're not just like the girl but like Ramona Flowers like as much as she can handle herself her character is the prize at the end of the, the tunnel and it's just like, I was watching it being like huh this is a lot less woke than I remember Scott Pilgrim being <laughs> do you ever think about that sometimes well I'm thinking about it now um, yeah he literally has to battle people to win a prize and the prize is woman you know <laughs> yeah I think the original ending of the film was eventually he he realizes he's an idiot. I'm, he's going to go off with knives chow instead, mm. which is a bit more like oh yeah you know what it was in front of you all along the love that you wanted and Ramona Flowers is just playing with your heart and she's a bit of a bitch. But then for some reason the end of the movie has been changed so that he goes off with Ramona Flowers at the end. That's a massive tangent. That was a, that was a big one. We should come back round to Birds of Prey. But anyway, female prize from Scott Pilgrim now plays Huntress, an assassin. Uh, her character's really good because she's the, she is like the fish out of water. She was raised as an assassin. Her one goal growing up her entire life was she wants revenge on the people who killed her family, and she takes everything way too seriously in this like comedy world. So that's kind of like her thing. Is that she'll be like, I don't know how to make jokes. And it's kind of funny. Um, and there's a fun, like, young girl who is, like, minded Deadpool 2, the little, like, New Zealand boy. Who oh, is, yeah. like, swearing a lot and just edgy. Well, they got one of them. It's a girl one. <laughs> she's, like, the MacGuffin. She's the like, MacGuffin. She's literally the MacGuffin. She's got, like, a diamond that Black Mask wants and Harley Quinn has to protect her. And it's, it's, a, it's a very, like, it's, it's a... You know, it's not a right story, but as I said, just not, not for me. You that's know? okay. That's fine. That's fine. I, I mean, we're gonna have to address it, but there. I mean, there was a lot of pretty hard end online misogyny surrounding this film. Yeah, it's uh, retarded and stupid, and it's just like just accept that not all films are for you, man. I mean, the film's not. I, I didn't find the film as funny as I think it was trying to be, mm. but there were people like in the audience just loving it, loving every shite fart joke that came around. Just like, ha, ha, ha! the girl did a fart, and it's like, yeah, girls fart, dude, get over it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? It was that kind of like, oh my god, I can't believe she would swear like that. It's like people swear, human beings do this all the time. Uh, yeah. She has a cool hyena pet, which I liked. Here's an interesting fact about hyenas. They're not canines. Yeah, they're like... They're their own thing. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? I think I knew that. Yeah, They're it's, not quite it's a odd. cat, not quite a dog. Yeah. Uh, but Harley Quinn has a pet hyena, which is a good callback to, like, the cartoon show where she has two hyenas. Mm. She's like, I named it Bruce after that hunky millionaire guy. And I was like, that's, that's, that's pretty good. Yeah, let's, see, let's, let's see what you did there. Uh, so there is like um, and I like that the more I talk about it the more I'm like actually no, this film is pretty good because I like the whole energy of like 
she's trying to set everyone still thinks she so she break the Joker breaks up with her and she hasn't told anyone the entire time and she's basically using the fact that she's the Joker's girlfriend to get away with murder essentially and then it get comes out that she's not with the Joker anymore and everyone is like well we can fucking kill her now because she's annoying as hell <laughs> like nobody likes her there's a really weird point in the film where she's like coming down from like a from like a party night out and uh, one of the birds of prey is like saving her life kicking her ass and she's like oh hey you're the, you're the girl who sings on stage and she turns around and goes oh you're the bitch that nobody likes and Harley Quinn is just like yeah okay but I was ex- I thought it would be would have been a more interesting character beat for her to stop and be like wait nobody likes me because I w- thought it would be interesting if she just believed she didn't realise she could get away with anything mm-hmm. and think oh people just love people generally like her and it's not the fact that she's a Joker Joker's girlfriend. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think it would have been a better beat to be for her to realise that maybe she's a bit of a bit of a bitch. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas like she's just, she oh, she that that's just who I am. She's one of those people. If you can handle me at my voice <laughs> then you don't deserve me at my even oyster. <laughs> I mean, I've never been a fan of Harley Quinn as a character. Um Actually, believe it or not, I mean, I know it's kind of like you're not allowed to say this almost, but like, say it. I don't like the Joker as a character. Mm. I think it's, he's quite a boring character, and I feel that I think Harley Quinn is boring by proxy. Yeah. Like, not... Apart, apart from, obviously, that Joker film, but, you know, that wasn't really about... Uh, it was a different style of Joker. Different style, but like the whole just oh you're you're okay you're mental. Yeah, like that's we get whole, it. Yeah, but I think it holds a lot of sway in the universe that it's in that people fear the Joker because he is a nutcase with a lot of power. So it makes sense in the context of the film that now it's like oh the Joker doesn't care about Harley Quinn so we can just take her out because she's been a thorn in everybody's side uh, so there's that little B plot where there's constantly people just trying to kill her while she's trying to get on with the mission quote unquote it's cool um, I, it's impossible for me anyway not to draw parallels to Deadpool but I think yeah. the writers of the movie of the film realise that and they you can tell they're not trying to do the Deadpool thing but just the nature of Harley Quinn's character she is a very Deadpool-esque character so there's gonna be like she narrates the movie she she doesn't break the fourth wall as such but she like there is a bit of fourth wall breaking and it's but you just just, the characters are very similar so I can understand where people would be like oh it's just Deadpool but with a woman but you can tell at least I could tell the writers were trying to go down that road Mm. It's just a similar character, you know? Nature of the Beast. Nature of the Beast. Speaking of a beast, there's a wee blue beast we need to talk about. <laughs> a little blue beast. Uh, it's the best segue we've ever done. That is a good one. Like that, yeah. <laughs> little blue beast. Uh, yeah, the Sonic Man. The Sonic Man. Yeah, I went to see the Sonic Man today. Uh, again, like, not for me. Just literally, just not aimed towards me, but I liked it though. Mm-hmm. Surprised me. 
Because I think everyone's expectations for Sonic the Hedgehog were so, like, rock bottom. Mm-hmm. So I'm hearing a lot of people being like, you know what, actually it was alright. But I wonder if we had been hyped for Sonic, I would have come out of this being like, that's a bit of shit. Right. Because it's a bit shit. Cinematic junk food all the way. Mm-hmm. Like, literally, literally, like, Sonic... Sonic is what he eats. Big chili dog. That like that film is that that movie is just a cinematic chili dog. Like it's tasty and it looks it looks impressive, physically impressive, but you eat it and you know it's just a bunch of processed like pig bits <laughs> and processed cheese. You heard it here first, guys. Uh Sonic the Hedgehog is processed pig bits. No, I'm gonna say Sonic the Hedgehog is a chili dog. It's just a, he is, he a is dog. the chili. He is the meme. Right. Uh, so I, I decided, like, I wanted to go see this film. Like, I had it in my head, like, to see it. Oh, it'll be a laugh. Go see it for the memes, you know, because it'll just be full of Sonic memes. And what I want to do is ask you, just list uh, when you think of Sonic. Just list some things that you think about when you think of Sonic, and I'll tell you if they're in the movie. Because I guarantee you, they're all in there. He's fast. Well, yeah, that's in there. Um, is there uh, rings? Does he drop rings? Rings that he he gets injured and drops rings. Jesus. And in the context of the like, he carries his rings in a little bag. Mm. So you get, if that makes sense, I guess. Um, does Doctor Robotnik drive the little floating floating thing? He has a floating machine. All right, here we go. Um, think memes though. I think memes. Think 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 what Sonic is popular culture wise. I don't know what you're trying to get. Here. What would okay? What would you expect from a Sonic movie? Uh, well, it's going to be fast. It's going to be you know the the hedgehog's going to be making wise cracks. Yeah, it happens. Just could be why the, then he's going his human friend is going to be all confused by Sonic and not really. Yes. Anyway, I suppose I was expecting you to be more into Sonic memes. I'm not so because I like a good Sonic meme to myself because like Sonic. As a property is kind of washed up. He is like the sort of I think Zero Punctuation put it like this a few years ago. He's like a washed up rock star who just shows up and be like, "Hey, it's me, Sonic guys. Remember, remember me?" And everyone's like, "Yeah, whatever, Sonic." <laughs> so my list of things I wanted to see in the Sonic movie was Chili Dogs. Of course, they're in there. Uh, you know that really bad drawing of Sonic that's on the internet? Yeah, that's in there. Okay, that's pretty good. There's an insane man who lives in the town who's like, there's true, there's a blue beast that lives in the <laughs> city and he looks like this and it's the Sonic drawing. And you're like, ah, it's the Sonic drawing. That's cool. That's funny. Um, pretty much everything you'd want from a Sonic movie, like, it is in there, which is crazy impressive mm. considering, like, it's a film for little babies. Um, yeah, it's weird because it starts off, like, I was sitting there watching it and, I, like, the film starts and like, ah, oh, this is actually just going to be, like, shit but not in a way that you can talk about it shit it's just going to be boring and shit but as soon as Jim Carrey steps on the scene like he carries it Jim Carrey is he's he's mad Mm -hmm. he he is a mad person yeah he's an insane man and he plays an insane man in this Mm. Uh, the evil Dr. Robotnik uh, he calls him Eggman at one point as well of course so that's there because he's got like drones that look like eggs so Sonic goes like hey nice eggs Dr. Eggman and you're like well done Sonic (laughs) He did it. Um, so yeah, so Jim Jim carries this film. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? 
He, he, so he just carries the whole thing. Yeah, until Doctor Robotnik shows up, you're like, ah, this is pretty crap. But then, like, you get kind of excited for it. You get really invested in it. Like the human characters can all go to hell. It has a weird, like, late eighties Johnny Five feel about it. Oh. To the point where he even like gets involved in like a like you know those old films where they'd go to like a biker bar and there'd be lots of tough bikers. That's in there. <laughs> he gets in a bar fight. I don't know what, like, I can't put my finger on what films actually did it, but it feels like an old 80s, like, kids movie trope, yeah. where, like, there's funny, big, evil bikers <laughs> that eventually, like, he has a fight with, but they become his pals. <laughs> it's just like, it's just, yeah, I've not seen that in a film for a while. Um, James Marsden's character, who is, uh, he plays, like, a police chief. He's alright. He has a wife who is terrible. She's just there. But there's this impossible to grasp underrunning theme where his wife's sister his sister-in-law is constantly telling her to divorce James Marsden for no real reason it's not like you know oh he's a loser his career isn't going anywhere he just sits on the couch all day and smokes weed and he's a you should divorce him but no he is like police chief in this small town he's recently been promoted to go move to San Francisco and be a police officer there they seem very happy together, but for some reason they want to put in this little conflict of like, you should leave your husband. And I honestly think, I honestly find it funny to believe that just his sister-in-law is racist, because he has a black wife, and for no reason she's like, divorce him, I hate this man, get him out of your life, and it's like, what is your deal? And the only logical thing would be like, she's probably just racist. Jeez. <laughs> you know? Um, you need to see, I think this chat would have benefited more than Birds of Prey would have benefited from you having seen it but I, I can talk about it because it's fresh in my head yeah um it's uh, you, the film ends and you feel like it hasn't earned the level of hype that you're feeling for it because mm. there's a post credit sting where like Tails shows up and you're like Tails is here my boy Tails they're like what when did I become excited? <laughs> like, what What was that? What sucker punched me into excitement? <laughs> For Tails. <laughs> like, he steps through a portal and he's like, according to my map, Sonic should be just over there. And then it cuts to black and you're like, Tails though? My, my boy Tails just showed up. And you're, I was really surprised that I felt that amount, for hype, that amount of hype for this movie mm. <laughs> that I just finished. Well, I mean, Tails is awesome. Tails is pretty great. He's super serious as well. Where Sonic is like total wisecracking all the time and just serious constantly tales. talking. Mm. Yeah, Tails I think was always the the serious one of the two. Yeah, it was like Sonic, we gotta we gotta save my friends. Sonic's like, okay, you're too slow. Um, but yeah, man, Sonic the movie. I mean, again, it's a film for little baby boys, but it sucked me in somehow. I don't know how it managed it. Lots of weird, weird product placement for Olive Garden. You talk about Olive Garden for like thirty five percent of this movie. <laughs> it was is what? <laughs> yeah, I know it's weird. Um, James Marsden has like a like. Uh, so one of the things where his sister in law is being like, "You should check his phone for dating apps," and he's like, "Oh, I know he doesn't have any apps on his phone apart from the Olive Garden app." And he's like, "Yeah, it's because I love Olive Garden." It's like, oh, what? That was weird. And then like later on in the film, it get like later on in the movie pretty much the end of the movie uh, the the military show up at James Marsden's house and we have something a little 
gift from Uncle Sam uh, to thank you for your hard work in a secret matter that we can never talk about again. Because it's like very like secret hush hush. They want to keep Sonic a secret for some reason. Anyway, uh, and it's a it's a gift voucher for Olive Garden. <laughs> it's, it's like um, it's like which is kind of funny the way it's delivered because it's like oh we were kind of expecting it to be like a medal or something it's, no man it's Olive Garden like if you tried their never ending pasta bowl it literally never ends and it's quite a funny you're like that was funny but why are they talking about Olive Garden so much and then they close the doors oh, that was weird bye and then they go I'm quite excited for that Olive Garden but I was like, shop about Olive Garden for fuck's sake! What is going on here? Like, not like there's a part in the there's a point in the movie where Sonic gets a new pair of shoes, and I was saying to my pal, I was like, how much do you want to bet that it's like, oh, look at these brand new Nike shoes I bought from the Nike store. But literally, a little girl like says, oh, your shoes are all worn out. I can't believe you're running around in those. Your feet must hurt. Here, have these shoes, and she just hands them over. There's a tiny little Puma logo on them. And that's all you... They're, they're classic Sonic red shoes with the white stripe. They look... They look the part. But it... Like, nothing is ever said about them again. It's like, Sonic runs! <laughs> he, why... Why bang on about Olive Garden and not talk about Sonic shoes? That's mate, wild! I know, they missed such an opportunity being like... Puma! Come to the Puma store because no one talks... Like, it, that would be weird because no one talks about Puma as a brand... To be like, there's a, the Puma store in San Francisco. We have to go and get you new shoes. But a little girl's like, here you go, Sonic. Have some shoes. A little bit of human kindness. And it's like, that's the cute moment. What, what, what's that logo? Is that, is that Puma? Oh, Puma. Okay, fine. And uh, no, I'll just Olive Garden all the way, baby. <laughs> so weird. So bizarre. It's a strange little movie. But I'm... Honest to God, so glad they changed the design yeah. of Sonic because he looks fantastic. Like I think a lot of people, I think I heard a lot of talk saying that the Sonic redesign would be bad for this film in the way that like Sonic looks like a nightmare. Therefore, the film is going to be a nightmare, and people are going to talk about it like the Super Mario Brothers movie because it just looked weird and freaky. <laughs> yeah. Whereas now Sonic looks like Sonic, and it's just going to be a film that everyone forgets. But no, like Sonic, like it's genuinely like looks is good to look at mm. like CGI wise he fits in with the world they've done a lot of work to make him look like he's part of the world mm-hmm. um, and he's a wee cartoon guy you know he looks great I'm happy with the design of Sonic he looks like Sonic he doesn't look like a weird little monster <laughs> that original design oh my god it's so <laughs> scary <laughs> it's, it's so bad it's almost part of me thinks that it was a PR stunt like that's a general belief, but then why would you go to all that effort of like having to do like reshoots and getting people to work their asses off for another six months to lay in the movie just for a bit of more publicity? You know? Yeah. Um there's talk of a Super Mario No, a Super Mario Brothers movie is confirmed for the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. Mario and Luigi. And there's so much talk in this movie, more so than Olive Garden, about Sonic having to leave the planet and go to this mushroom universe. Because his rings teleport him to and fro. That's how he arrived on Earth. Um, and he's like, oh, the next, you know, if all goes to shit here, uh, I'll just throw my ring and I'll go to I'll go to the mushroom planet. And you see a glimpse of the mushroom planet and it's it's like all gross, like fungus growing everywhere. Mm. They keep talking about it, keep talking about it. Oh, the mushroom planet. I don't want to have to go to the mushroom planet. It sounds shit. I really like it here on Earth. And it's like, are they at some point just going to call it the mushroom kingdom? And there'd be a little Easter egg of like, Waha! 
<laughs> I like Mario jumps through. I wouldn't have surprised me at all because Mario and Sonic, like, you know, they go to the Olympic Games together every four years, and you know that corporate relationship seems to work quite well. Mm. But there wasn't any allusion to like an expanded universe beyond Tails showing up mm. and being like, "I'm looking for Sonic." Um, <clears throat> so I don't know. It'd be interesting if they were like. It'd be cool to see that little crossover in a cinematic world, you know? That'd be funny how that would work. Um, just because you mentioned the, the Mario film, the Mario Brothers film, what uh-huh. was it, like, late 80s or something? Yeah. Um, that film is so strange. Yeah, that's a weird one, isn't it? Um, I've watched that probably three times at this point, just because it's so strange. I don't think I've ever seen it right the way through. It's, I've seen bits. It is bizarre. <clears throat> it, I don't even know how it got made. Yeah. It's like nothing... So this... What this has is not... It's not like a great film, but it's good as far as video game films go Mm. because it has all the bits. He's got the rings, he eats the chili dog, he runs the fast. You know? He's got all the Sonic bits. Whereas Super Mario Brothers was like, they're plumbers, they're you know they're plumbers for most of the movie they don't get to the Mushroom Kingdom New York cyberpunk city for about <laughs> 45 minutes which is like it doesn't look at him. Yoshi is just a regular old dinosaur King they don't call him Bowser he's just King Koopa and he's doesn't look like Bowser at all yeah I think I think you're right that so many films game films shy away from the fact that they're game films yeah and I think that's maybe what Paramount realised when they were maybe everyone kicked off about Sonic's design because I think maybe they were like well let's not make it a video game movie let's just have him look more realistic and everyone was like that looks fucking horrible <laughs> just make him Sonic you cowards and they were like yeah let's just make him Sonic and it works Yeah. the only thing I would say against it was that it, I think it would have been more enjoyable if there were like Sonic sound effects in it Really? Because there's no... I kind of expected that they would do that. Yeah, every time some, he does something Sonic, Sonic-like, there's not the associated sound effect which you're so used to hearing. Mm. Like, he, he spins up in a ball and, like, smashes into stuff and it's like, there's not that noise. Mm. The bit where he drops his rings doesn't make the ring sound. You see, That's them, so they, you see them clatter everywhere, but it's just, like, metallic noises. So, I'm interested to see if anyone does like a super cut on YouTube where they put in sonic sound effects because it would just make it would just give it that little bit more polish yeah that doesn't necessarily that maybe they didn't I'm not saying it needs polish like it's the film's a solid 4 out of 10 but like <laughs> but just a little bit of just a wee like because it has everything else it's got the shit sonic drawing he says gotta go fast he eats chili dogs uh he wears the red shoes he come. There's like tails is in it. Robotnik eventually has the big bushy mustache. It's like why not just put the sound effects in? Like you're going that you're doing that much work. Just mm. have some foley artists play Sonic and just record a playthrough of it and they just use the noises, you know? Because uh, even Sonic's original planet that you see him on, it looks like Green Hill Zone, right. the first level. Um. So yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't know why they didn't do that. It doesn't make sense. So yeah, I don't know. Sonic, just so yeah. As I said, bring it all back to say video game, uh, cinematic junk food. So it is what it is. You know, it's uh, just a just a 
film for babies that uh, has, has has a meme in it. It's a film for babies that has a meme in it. Yeah, it's got the meme man, the boy, the blue boy from the memes. <laughs> the blue boy from the memes. Yeah. Uh, oh, I suppose I should uh, clarify whether or not I would go outside for Sonic. Guess so. Yeah. Would you go outside for? Okay, let's do it slightly differently. Okay. If you had to go outside to save either Birds of Prey or Sonic, ah, uh, what would you go out to save? That's a tough one. Am I? Am I? As in, like a franchise? If I, if if basically either franchise was gone? Uh, no, no, just the film in individuality. Because <clears throat> both are going to be franchises, you can tell. Oh yeah. I think I'd go out and say. I think I save Sonic. You're saving Sonic. Yeah, I think I would. Now that I think about it, there's a lot more that appeals to me in Sonic the Hedgehog than in Birds of Prey. Because I just think, like I've just said, I think they are trying really hard to make it kind of faithful. I think eventually they may do away with the human stuff and put him in a CG world. I think this fish out of water thing was just to get people to watch it right which they didn't necessarily need to do they could have just had a CGI Sonic film which maybe I mean probably would be rad yeah I can see it I can see that happening a few films down the line where he just leaves Earth goes back to Green Hill Zone and um, just does an adventure there because you could still have Jim Carrey as Robotnik because mm-hmm. he's firmly established he, they, they banish him to the Mushroom Planet very careful not to say Kingdom <laughs> Because at the end, of uh, he's there and he's like, well, I've got, there's no nothing here. It's a barren planet with no life. But I have just as, I have just enough technology to get by. So you'll see me next time, Sonic! And he's, uh, he, he shaves his head and has the big bushy moustache and he looks like Robotnik, just not a big fat fellow. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm kind of psyched to see where that goes. Even if I do have to see it at 12pm on a Sunday for like... The, the, literally that like I was I know I wasn't the oldest guy there because there was a few other lads behind me who were like just drinking and getting on it being like for the like for the memes <laughs> for the because you want to go see Sonic like that's why I went to see it was for the memes I figured it would be a good laugh but then I was like I can see what they're doing here uh yeah so this has been a very rambly chat about Sonic and um yeah I'd go outside for Sonic I'll leave Birds of Prey Birds of Prey probably I think mainly because I think Birds of Prey can handle itself. <laughs> <laughs> you know? If, if it was a life or death situation and I had to pick either Sonic or Harley Quinn, I'd take Sonic in. Because at least he'd be more entertaining. Mm. Than Harley Quinn, I think, would just be annoying. They're both annoying characters that talk a lot, funnily enough. But nah, so, yeah, nah, I'd go outside for Sonic. Wouldn't necessarily go outside for Birds of Prey. Because it doesn't need me. It just doesn't need me. Harley Quinn established she can do very well on her own. That's what the whole movie's about. Yeah. Where Sonic needs needs people. Sonic needs friends. Uh, yeah. So, anything else you want to cover? Any you have any questions about Sonic the movie? <laughs> Sonic the meme. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you've given a fairly good rundown. I'm excited. Excited for the potential that there's going to be a Mario Bros. film. Yeah, I'm excited for the Nintendo land that they're building at Universal Studios. Really? Can't wait. I'm really, ever since I was a little baby boy, I used to draw concepts. Like, honestly, I remember being like 
10 years old and drawing concepts for a Nintendo theme park. Wow. It's happening. It's really it's happening. It's like my little baby brain has exploded with joy. There's a Sonic movie and they're building a Nintendo theme park. What, what more could a guy want in life? Um, other than not to be stuck in a post-apocalyptic wasteland. <laughs> but, you know, it's a living. It's not. <laughs> we're alive. <laughs> But we're not living. Um, yeah. So that was... Uh, I'd say we'd call that an episode. I'd say call that a really weird episode <laughs> of the Don't Go Outside podcast. Uh, episode 20, we made it. It's two it. decades. Two oh, episodes. Two decisodes. Two Episode 20, there's been 10. And another 10. Here we are. So we did it, man. Um... Honestly, though, if you guys, uh, if anyone is listening to this, uh, give us a wee follow on Instagram, mm. DGO underscore podcast, I think we are. Yep. We're there, we've got the big, we're the big yellow logo, same one you'll see on our Spotify feed, uh, and you get updates for the channel, I'll post whenever a new episode comes out, just keep keep, keep up to date with what we're doing, because I, I like this podcast, man, it's, good, it's a good one. This episode may be a bit weirder than usual. It's a, it's a bit it's strange energy, but... Yeah, if this is your first time listening to us, you know, go back a couple episodes. Because this is a new run. We had hiatus for a little while. Uh, I think episode 16 we came back, just mm. guns blazing. And uh, it's been a long... I've, I've, I've sat through Sonic today, okay? I'm a little bit worse for wear. <laughs> I don't really know what to think. I don't know what to believe anymore. The Sonic film was good. And, uh... Fucking hell, who knows what's real? <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So, yeah, um, like we say at the end of every episode of Don't Go Outside, don't go outside because um, there's, there's, a wee blue beast. there's a little blue beast shitting out memes. <laughs> and uh, turns out it makes a semi decent film. I think you've talked yourself up in a, like just liking this film. Yeah, no, I, I no, I do like this film. Like, it's a solid, like as I said, it's a solid four. But like, four is good, man. Junk food's good. You know, sometimes you sometimes you want a McDonald's. That's fine. If you if if I want if I want a if I want a prime rib, I'll go see the lighthouse. If I want a chili dog, Sonic's your boy. <laughs> See you later. Uh, Hats off.